It may look like hanging a banner on a wall should be a piece of cake. Like anybody with a couple of master's degrees should be able to do that. And so uh, I worked for about an hour this morning to try and hang that banner. Every time I got over there, it looked terrible. If I was over here, it looked fine. And it was because of the wrinkles, right? Like I'm trying to get the wrinkles out. And so I put a screw in the left-hand corner. And then I got a level. And I made sure that it was perfectly level on top. Set the level right on top of the banner. It was perfectly level. Put the scr- stretched the, screw- the other corner out as tight as it could be and put the screw in. Checked it with the level again and it was perfect. Then I came down and I put a a screw in the left-hand corner. And I pulled it as tight as it could be, thinking I'm I'm right at a 45-degree angle, getting the tension just right. And then I put the screw in. Then I went to the other corner, and I worked on it, and I put that one in, and it looked terrible. It was awful. I came back here, and it was like the rolling seas, all the wrinkles that were in that thing. So I worked for a little while longer, and finally... I went and got, I decided that the problem was that the the screws I had were just not the right screws. So I went and got another screw. The problem was that the screw had a different head than the others. Like all of those were Phillips, except for this new one that I got was a Robertson. So I had to get another screwdriver. I had to get the Robertson screwdriver. And, And meanwhile, I'm going up and down the ladder, trying to keep the banner from falling and running back and forth to the, to the, uh, furnace room where the tools are because I'm not smart enough to grab the toolbox and bring it out here. And it took, I kid you not, it took me about an hour this morning to hang uh, that banner, which it looks like a pretty easy job. The reason that it didn't go as well as it should have is because I wasn't really all that skilled at hanging that banner. Like, there might be people who hang banners for a living and who would do extremely well at hanging that banner. I was definitely so-so at hanging the banner. In fact, I probably should have called Gary Zorn or somebody and had them hang it. Somebody who's a carpenter or something, they could hang the banner. Well, once I got the Robertson screwdriver and I fly, like, it actually looks not so bad. Wouldn't you say? Like, John, you guys are sitting there and you don't have the major wrinkles, right? Like, there's some. But it's, it's not like it was, and those over here can probably still see what it says and that kind of thing. Well, once I got that final screw and got the Robertson screwdriver, I really made some headway. That screw, that last screw was the ticket. And after that, I really, I, I thought, I think I've got this nailed. I, I think I have this screwed in the way it's supposed to be and working fine. Okay? You know, do you think it's easy to not put your foot in your mouth? When you're up here every week. Okay. So, we as a church, for a long time, in a sense, have been trying to hang this banner. Only, it's not the banner that we're so worried about. It's the mission that we're worried about. We want to get accomplished what God wants us to get accomplished. And the the banner is kind of informative. It says our mission is to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ one person at a time. But it's clear to me that there are times when we don't get all the tools together and all the skill together and all the know-how together and we don't always get done what we want to get done. And we've talked about this before. That's very simple. If I ask our church this morning, 
How many of you think that when, coming to, when it comes to the question of evangelizing people for Jesus, that we're just doing fantastically well and the Lord doesn't need to bless us anymore? Like nobody would say that that's the case. And the fact is that there are very few churches that are as accomplished at getting done for Christ what we all want to get done for Christ. And that is to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we talk about this all the time, like the elders and I, Peter and I, we talk all the time about how is it that as a church we're going to become better at this or how are we going to get more accomplished for the Lord than what we're getting accomplished right now? Because it just makes sense to us that, like, surely, you, you, I know you know this. Like, when you come here on a Sunday morning, you're not thinking to yourself, this is the epitome of what God wants for us. Now, you might enjoy fellowshipping on Sunday morning. You might enjoy getting together and you might enjoy the singing. James did a great job reading the scripture this morning. Glenn has led singing well. Like we can come together and everything can look just wonderful and we enjoy being together. I can say to everybody, let's stand up and greet one another and spend some time in fellowship. And some people think, oh, let's not do that. Other people think it's wonderful. So people can spend a few moments together fellowshipping. There are times when I get up and I, and I speak well, sometimes not so well. Most of the time I get done on Sunday mornings preaching and I think, oh, Kelly, that wasn't so good. And then there are other times when I get done and I'm all excited about how I've done. I think that everything has gone just wonderfully well. But no matter how well things go on Sunday morning and no matter how we get all these ingredients together that we think will be for a wonderful worship time, Still, if I ask the question, is this the epitome of what it means to be a Christian, to get together on Sunday mornings and worship, or to fulfill the mission of the Lord, for us to get together on Sunday morning and worship together, that perfectly fulfills everything that God wants for his church. I think that all of us, if we know anything at all, would say, no, that doesn't get accomplished everything that we want to get accomplished. We're not satisfied with that. We want to see God's will done in a more significant way among us than what it's being done right now. And so when we do get together and talk about this, we think all the time about how is this going to happen better among us. And when I say it, I don't mean how are we going to get together and worship on Sunday morning better. We want to do that too. But how is it that we're going to fulfill the mission of Christ in our world, better than what we're doing now. Right now, if I was to pull our elders, if I was to have each one of them stand, or if I was to ask each one of our ministry leaders to stand, and I was to ask them the question, what is it that we right now as a church are doing in order to enhance our success at fulfilling the mission that God wants us to fulfill for our church? I know what their answer would be. They would say that the thing that we've been focusing on, that we're trying to get accomplished more than anything else, that we see will be more successful than anything else, is for us to focus on the life groups in the way that we've been focusing on them. I don't have any doubt about that. We've been talking a lot about alignment and asking the question, are we as a church aligned? Is our leadership aligned? Are we all on the same page? Are we going in the same direction? 
And right now, I think definitely like no time since I've been here, our leadership is all on the same page, the same point of alignment in terms of asking, what is it that's going to help us accomplish as best we can the mission of Christ? And again, I think the answer to that question is that we've been focusing on our life groups. Now, there are, there are some people, you know, who, who uh, there are some people sitting here this morning who are not as interested in being part of life groups as others. Uh, we're different people. Some people just love the idea of being part of a small group. Some people not so much. And I understand that. We all have, we have different preferences. But here's the thing that I know. No matter what the preferences are that each one of us has in terms of what's important to us personally, this single-mindedness about the leadership here in terms of what we need to do in order to get accomplished for Christ, what we would want to get accomplished in terms of reaching the world for the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm convinced that the direction we're going with this is absolutely right. And so you might think to yourself, well, I'm not interested so much in being part of the life group. That's your choice. I don't think that as a church, we have an option in terms of how is it that we're going to do what God wants us to do with reference to our mission. I think we have to, as a church in general, we have to answer this call. This is the direction that we need to go. And if we don't, then there's a sense in which we will be pulling back from fulfilling the mission that God longs for us to fulfill. Now, it could be that in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, that we as a church will decide we need to try something else. Maybe society will have changed and we need to move in a different direction. That's a possibility. But right now, if you're thinking to yourself, what can I do personally to enhance the mission and the efforts of the church to go in the direction that God wants us to go, I would say the most important thing that you could do right now if you're not doing is to be part of a life group because that is what will, in fact, enhance the mission of our church more than anything else right now. If you want to be evangelistic, if you want to reach out for, the, for Jesus and accomplish something in terms of helping the kingdom to grow, this is something very tangible that you can do that will improve our efforts at reaching out into the world with the, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's a bit of a challenge for some of you because you're thinking, well, he, you know, he's kind of saying to me that if I really want to contribute to the, the work of the church and the mission of Jesus as significantly as I possibly can, that I need to be a part of a life group. And, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Right now, that's the thing that we could do more than any other that's the easiest to just help enhance the mission of the church. And so I am encouraging that for sure. We've read this passage this morning from Acts chapter 2. It's a great passage for sure. Um, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 5. The one we read from Acts chapter 2 is so well known, Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship and to prayer. The passage continues about how they were sharing their possessions and goods. None of them had need. They were meeting daily from house to house, breaking bread. God was adding to the number daily those who were being saved. That's what Acts 2, 42 through 47 essentially says. In Acts chapter 5, you look at verse 41. This is immediately after the apostles have been arrested. And they have been taken before the Sanhedrin. And they have been 
quizzed, challenged. They've been persecuted a bit. And then they're released. And in verse 41, it says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the, de- for the name. Then it says, this, this is what they did in response to having been persecuted. And as they now launch out into the mission that God has set for them, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. That's an interesting passage. And not just because it says from house to house and Kelly's going to pull out of there the fact that they were meeting in homes or something for small groups. That's not so much my point. My point is, is that the church on a regular basis, day after day, whether they're meeting in Solomon's temple uh, or in the portico there, and the, there was a, uh, a foyer kind of that went around the temple and they were meeting there on a daily basis, whether they're meeting there or they're meeting in homes, the church clearly was getting together and doing so regularly. Now, this is interesting because if you think about it, our experience as a church is moving in exactly the opposite direction in general. Like when I first became a Christian, the church of which I was a part met on Sunday morning for Bible class. Then we met for Sunday worship. Then we all, and when I say all, I mean the vast majority of us, came back at 6 p.m. and met again at 6 p.m. on Sunday nights. And then on Wednesday nights, we met again at 7.30. And when I was 15 years old, that's what we did every week. In fact, I didn't mention that because I was part of the youth group, we also met afterwards on Sunday evenings. So we do church from 6 to 7 on Sunday nights. And then the youth group would all stay there and we'd be together again for another hour and a half or two hours on a Sunday night. That is, if you think about it, a lot of hours to be together with my church family during the typical week. And many of you, you remember those days. You know that what that was like. One of the things that happened in the course of all of that was that we had relationships that we built. And even though we were meeting in a larger assembly, even on a Wednesday night sometimes, still... We had the the chance, the opportunity to build relationships. Now, you know, and I know that it's not that way anymore. There are an awful lot of us who get together on Sunday mornings only. The Wednesday night thing, it went down the road a long time ago. The Sunday night thing, it's been history for a long time too. And so if that's the case, then I want to know this. How is it that the church of Jesus Christ is going to be able to build the relationships both within itself and with those people who don't know Jesus, bringing them into the fellowship of the church? How is that going to happen effectively if we don't meet? How is it going to happen if we don't build relationships And that's why what we do in our life groups is so very, very important. In fact, I don't hardly know how people who aren't part of one can make it with all the pressures that are there from the world asking us to compromise. All the challenges to our faith. All the things that could so easily draw us away. How can we... 
how can we stay what God wants us to be with the mindset that God wants us to have if there aren't those opportunities where something gets solidified in our minds by regular contact with other people? I think it's absolutely crucial. As it turns out, I'm not the only one who thinks so. And we have some people that I'm going to ask very quickly to come up and to share some things with us in terms of just what life groups uh, have meant to them and the experiences that they've had. And I want to start with Wayne. Wayne, you want to come up first? Wayne's just going to share a story. And I think it's a significant one. I don't usually bring this to church on Sunday morning. I haven't had to bring it in the past. This morning at 9 o'clock, we, as a group of uh, life group leaders, we meet every uh, Sunday morning, 9 o'clock for an hour and a half. And that's a time of preparation for all of us uh, to become more efficient at what we are about in terms of, of the, the life group ministry. And, and uh, one of the opportunities we had this morning was to share a little bit about our story. Now, that leaves it wide open, and I wanted to share this. Some of you have, made, have heard this story before. This is my dad's hunting knife. It's about 60 years old. Growing up in Natton as a kid, a young teen, probably 13 or so, used to go down to the creek. Used to go down to the creek, uh, Mosquito Creek in Natton, and uh, on, a, on a balmy Sunday or uh, uh, during the, uh, the lazy days of summer, if you wanted to find me, I was probably with my buddies down there throwing a line in the water catching suckers because that's about the only thing that could live in that creek. And... Uh, I remember being down there, and the water would usually be about uh, oh, eight or nine feet high because they had built this old dam. I think the municipality had built this dam out of these huge beams and rafters. I don't know why, but it was a perfect place to sit above the water as it rushed below your feet uh, to, to do fishing and to, and to tell stories. And I got back home, and I, I always took Dad's knife. He never knew I did, and I was afraid to ask him if I could take it, so I always sneak it out, put it on my, on my hip, and uh, at that one particular day, walking home, and I put my hand down, and I was uh, shocked and, and amazed. The knife and the scabbard it was in were gone. So I rushed back. Everyone had left. I rushed back. I looked all over the dam, couldn't find it. I knew exactly where I sat, and I looked down to see if I could see it in the, in the muddy water. No way. So for a while, I felt pretty hopeless about that. It, it sort of changed my focus for that summer, and uh, I didn't go down anymore, down to the, the dam with my buddies. And they always wondered, why, did, why don't you come with us? So one day, um, we, I'd been going to Sunday school. I think they'd been talking about prayer and the power of prayer, I believe, because I went down there, and I sat on the, the spot that I had sat on. By this time, water was low, just mud flats where I above where I'd sat before. And I got on my knees, probably 13-year-old at that time, and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I'd never done that before. And the next act was amazing. So I stuck my arm in the mud up to my armpit, and the first solid thing that my, my hands hit was this. And it was like all of my burdens forever were lifted. They were gone. And, and I ran, not walked, I ran the mile or so back home, clutching the knife. And I actually told Dad about it now because I could tell him, because I had gotten the knife back. The, the prodigal knife had, had come home. <laughs> okay. Now, I share that with you because this morning, in our life group session, one of the things, we, were, we had an opportunity to share some part of our story, okay? 
I want to say that, that this has been an important part of my story because when I'm challenged now, and believe me, I, I do get challenged, I don't know if I could honestly say it's in a hopeless situation, but certainly discouraging. And I can reflect back on the times that I know that God has walked with me and he's been so important to me, and he answers prayer. This wasn't a life or death thing, but at the time it felt like it. He's faithful. And and the opportunity we all have to share that in, in a life group session is available to all of us. Thank you. I'd, I had never heard that story before until this morning. One of the wonderful blessings of being in a life group is being able to know people better than you knew them before. And I found out something about Wayne this morning that I had never known. Had I not been in that group today, I don't know when I ever would have heard it. I'd never heard it before. What a great story. Life group gave me that opportunity. And for you to be in a group where you have a chance to share with other people, it's going to open things up about other people to you that you never knew. And sometimes they're going to to bless you and teach you as richly as that story did uh, with me this morning. Where's Glenn Davies? Right there. Glenn, you want to come and talk? Most of our life group has been together for quite a few years. A long time ago, some of them were called small groups. That never fit with our group because we had lots of kids in there, and it was never really a small group. But life group, that fits. Because over the years, we have, in our group, experienced life together. We've experienced deaths, sickness, struggles. We have walked life. And that's been a huge encouragement for me. But I think even... more important than me for my kids because they now have a community of friends that are going to be with them for life not necessarily with them every day physically but the support the encouragement the understanding the acceptance that we have had within our group within all our the people who are involved um, will be there with them forever. Just like it is for us with all the members of our group. I especially, we've done all kinds of different formats over the years. Um, Some in-depth studies, some just lots of social things. Um, A lot of it because of the makeup of our group has been focused on our children, but that's been specifically chosen that way. I I like the format that we're doing now, where we're reading about Jesus. Back to the model that we're trying to follow. And what I like about it is the sharing that goes on, where everybody shares what what does that mean to you? Because we're all in different places. We're all in different walks. The things mean something different. And we get to hear what it means to other people. We get to look at our lives. We get to hear other people's stories. And even though, like I say, some of our group, we've got some new people in this year. We've had people come and go. But um, 
even though some of us have been together for a while and known each other for a while, we, we still learn new things all the time. And I think that's, that's what the life group is about to me, is the acceptance, no matter what struggles or what we're going through, and the sharing and living life together, as Jesus modeled for us to do. I've asked Ed Earhart if he also would come and just uh, talk a little bit about his experience in life group too. Uh, my experience with with the, uh, with the life group is that as as we as we participate in the stories, they're they're maintaining in my in my heart, and I find that that um, as I tell the stories, it's easier to go out and talk to people because you're taking the words from the Bible and you're planting them in your heart and in your memory and it's just a wonderful experience to do that and to share the gospel with other fellow people I mean with with other people there are lots of things that we can do as a church uh, lots of things we are doing I, it wasn't that long ago that uh, Kevin came and, and recounted for us about 80 uh, different ministries in which our, children, our church is involved. And that's wonderful. Uh, but I'm convinced that, it, that the thing that we're doing right now with our life group cro- program is as significant and maybe the most powerful thing that we're doing together as a church family. And I think it's also the thing that over time is going to have more potential to see us get accomplished what God wants us to get accomplished than anything else. And so, obviously, there's a... There's a call that's going out. There's a request that's being made. There's a, a, an encouragement for those of you who are not yet involved. If you look on the back of your bulletin right now, you would find the names and the phone numbers of the leaders of the groups that are currently functioning. It's an easy thing for you to pick up the phone and call them and say, I'd like to be involved in your group. I find them very accommodating that way. And it would be wonderful if those of you who aren't involved could make that phone, that phone call and just call somebody and say, hey, I'd like to be involved with your group. When do you meet? What are you doing? Where's this at? It's an easy thing to do. And this easy step that you can take may be the most significant thing that you can do in terms of furthering the gospel uh, through our church family. And so I want to really encourage that this morning. We just this morning wanted to hold up these groups, uh, give everybody an opportunity to hear again how crucial this is that we're involved. And we believe that God is going to use our life group program in a significant way to further his kingdom in this place, which ultimately is the fulfillment of our mission. God wants us to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ one person at a time. And our life groups is a perfect way uh, in order to make this happen. We're going to pray together, and, and uh, I'm also going to ask God to be with the Fipers this morning because they are here now, and we're going to have a baptism. Let's pray. God, there are people here right now this morning who are wrestling with whether or not this whole life group thing is for them. I pray, God, that you'd work on their hearts. Um, my preference, my will would be that that we would have almost everyone involved. 
uh, in our life group program. And Father, we pray that you would work on people's hearts, help them to see the significance of this. Uh, Lead them uh, to do what you want them to do. Father, we pray that you would not only put people in groups, but that you would make our groups effective in doing what we want to do with them, and that is to reach other people for you. Lord, we know there are lost people everywhere who, through this kind of contact, can build relationships and come to know Jesus, and we pray that you would significantly use these groups to make that happen. Thank you for the chance we've had this morning to just focus on this for a few minutes. Through Christ we pray. Amen.